Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 68 of the Summit for Wellness podcast. I'm your host, Brian Carroll, and today we will be talking about what you can do to help any kind of chronic skin condition without having to resort to different types of creams. So our guest today, Jennifer Fugo, talks a lot about skin conditions, especially eczema, and how a lot lot of times these creams don't really help the situation very much, and she talks about what could be the root causes for these skin conditions. So let's dive right into my conversation with Jennifer Fugo. Jennifer Fugo is a clinical nutritionist empowering women who've been failed by conventional medicine to beat chronic skin and unending gut challenges. Because she's overcome a long history of gut issues and eczema, Jennifer has empathy and insight to help her clients discover missing pieces and create doable integrated plans. Her work has been featured on Dr. Oz, Reuters, Yahoo, CNN, and many podcasts and summits. And Jennifer is an Amazon bestselling author and the host of The Natural Skin Show. Thank you, Jennifer, for coming on to the show. Thanks for having me. Of course. I I just want to uh, say something really quick about just doing these podcast interviews, because what I find super fascinating about most of the practitioners I've talked to is a lot of them have had some kind of health crisis before they came a, uh, became a practitioner. And you also had that as well. So can you dive into what your health journey was and why that led you to become a practitioner? Absolutely. I began my, um, I would say my health awakening, so to speak, back in 2007. I realized that I was not feeling well. I had chronic GI issues. So like, uh, to be entirely honest, we're just going to go right to poop right away, everybody. So just get used (laughs) to it. Um, I had like chronic diarrhea all the time. Like I'd be eating a meal and would have to run to the bathroom five, six times. It was really embarrassing, especially if you're out with friends and, um, terrible gas, bloating. Um, I would get rashes all over my arms and my legs. I was exhausted. And so I, you know, went to see doctors and nobody had any answers. Eventually I discovered that I had a bunch of food sensitivities and, um, that were, partially what were what was responsible for a lot of the gut issues. I've had adrenal fatigue. I've had um, candida overgrowth. And um, you know what really pushed me, because this is this is even kind of before um I ended up with eczema, which we're going to talk about skin rashes today, but um that it made me realize that there are so many people suffering out there who can't seem to get straight answers. They're, they're not listened to. They're not heard. Their um, daily experience, which is not ideal. And look, would we all love to get up every day, poop two to three times a day, like perfect poops. You don't even have to wipe. You don't have, your tummy doesn't rumble at everything. Sure. But that's not how it goes when you have chronic health issues. And unfortunately, our system is set up where it just wants to manage those symptoms, which is very, very frustrating for somebody who can't even leave their house because the ba- they may need to go to the bathroom midway to 
you know, their destination. I knew wherever I had to go, I had to know where the bathrooms were. And it was incredibly stressful. It was embarrassing. There was a lot of shame involved with that. And I frankly didn't look or feel well at all. So, you know, this was my daily life. And I wanted to, when I realized that I could change things for myself, I wanted to help other people with that. And that's what drove me to go back. Um, I was initially a health coach. And then I went back for a master's degree at the University of Bridgeport and went through their clinical nutrition master's program and became a, a clinical nutritionist. And so I'll just share a little tidbit of like, while I was in school, I developed dyshidroidic eczema which is basically a form of eczema that affects the hands and the feet. Fortunately, mine only affected my hands. And um, it was incredibly painful. It was, it was awesome. And we'll talk, I, I hope that we'll get a chance to talk a little bit about the emotional impact of how <laughs> having horrible rashes makes you feel. But it was incredibly isolating. It it was debilitating. I couldn't even wash my hands underwater. I had to stop showering. I had to wear gloves all the time. Um, it was just, it was a really awful period. And I felt like I'm doing all these things right. My diet's really good. Why isn't this working? And so, um, long story short, I was able to overcome those rashes completely. So I no longer have eczema believe it or not. And um, I've, it's been become my mission to help people that have just been living this daily. It's not even a struggle. It's this almost like war with their body of trying to get their skin to be calm and clear and, you know, where you don't have to think about it. Um, I want to help them find solutions because they can, what we're doing for conventionally, from a conventional standpoint, is just not working anymore. And before you went to school, that whole list of different symptoms that you had, at, at that point, was it all cleared up or did you still have a lot of those symptoms? The GI symptoms were pretty much gone. Um, I had been gluten, dairy, and egg-free for, I don't know, many years. Um, I've, you know, at this point out, I'm, I've been gluten-free for 10 years. And... Um, so that's why when people come to me, it's like one of the first things, like if you do have any type of skin rashes, the first thing you think when you're sort of fed up with your doctor and like them just giving you steroid creams and such, you're just like, hey, let me let me mess around with my diet and see what that'll fix. Well, diet doesn't always fix these things. Um, they're a lot more complicated than just straight GI or gut problems, unfortunately. So um you know, like I said, I felt like I was doing everything right and couldn't understand why my body wasn't my body wasn't getting with the program. Um, and yeah, that's, that's the one reason why I realized that, you know, when you've got issues with your skin, it's just, it's, it's a more complex, um, problem in facing you that you need to address. So when you went back to school, do you think the stress of being at school and the workload there, uh, triggered the eczema to start popping up? Absolutely. Stress is a huge contributing factor. Um, I also wasn't eating very well. I mean, obviously I was eating gluten-free, but I was eating a lot more packaged foods because I wasn't cooking as much for myself. Um, I wasn't sleeping a whole lot because I was also, you know, running my business and trying to do a full load of school. I, I did the full uh, two classes every single semester for, th so it was three semesters a year and I was going straight through. I didn't take a break. <laughs> And wow. um, that really does take its toll on you physically, mentally, and emotionally, for sure. And you alluded earlier 
about all these different chronic skin rashes, and a lot of people have them, um, but they're going to uh, conventional medicine and they're just not getting the right treatments. So uh, why do you think uh, chronic skin rashes are becoming more and more common? And what are some of the main causes for why these keep developing? Well, one of the big issues is that skin rashes, so you have to under, okay, let's, let's start with just your body as a whole and understand that it's a matrix, right? But everything is connected. And I'm sure you're just from all the people you've had on your podcast, people have repeated that phrase, like everything's connected. We take a holistic approach. We know that you shouldn't be cut into pieces, but in reality, you know, your thyroid can affect something like your skin, or it can affect your brain, or it can affect your gut, even though those systems are completely separate. The thing is, as far as a priority list, of what is integral for your body to just stay alive? Your skin is not at necessarily at the top of that list. In fact, it's pretty much at the bottom. So if your heart stops, you're dead, right? If your brain right. stops working, you're dead. If you can't breathe, you're dead. But you can walk around with wounds all over your skin and you might not be comfortable, but you will still be walking around. And as a result, because the, the skin is the lowest, essentially the lowest on the totem pole, lowest priority, you, it's an indicator of something underneath, some, typically someplace else that is causing the problem. So skin is more of a reflection of other internal issues. I mean, yes, you can certainly have things that are specific to the skin, but they are never, generally speaking, just skin. There is usually at least one to three to five other things that are causing or triggering the skin to be, you know, whatever wrecked state that it's in. Whether you are experiencing flares, they go away and then they come back a month or two later, whatever it is, whether you have them all the time or you're in this like flare cycle where again, it goes away and then it comes back, goes away, comes back. It doesn't matter. There are, other, there are underlying reasons for why that is happening. And so merely putting a topical cream on while yes, you might have some improvement using like a steroid. And obviously I'm not a doctor. So, you know, whatever medications have been prescribed for you, it's important to know that you shouldn't just stop them cold turkey. There can be consequences to that. But it doesn't mean that you can't look elsewhere within your body and start doing that detective work to say, you know what? I'm tired of managing. I actually want to find out what those root causes are and address them from there. That way you can rebuild healthier skin. And you were mentioning that skin issues are the lowest priority, yet the skin is also the first defense to keep things out of the body. So uh, we know that if you have a lot of internal stuff going on, then your body can try to push it out through the skin. So that's the inside out approach. Uh, but you can also get stuff on your skin from uh, external things. So how do you mm -hmm. differentiate between um, if a skin issue is internal or from an external stimulus? It's usually both. It's not, that's the thing. Everybody wants a very clear cut answer of, well, which is it? What is that one thing? And it's not, unfortunately. Um, what typically happens, so I see my, my private clients tend to be clients that they've tried pretty much everything. They've, 
They have taken everything out of their diet that could possibly be a trigger. They've done the low salicylate diet, a nickel-free diet, a gluten-free diet, dairy-free, egg-free, sugar-free. Um, I mean, they have gone to to great lengths with their diet with no, zero change. They have tried all sorts of different medications from topical steroids to antibiotics, you know, like you name it, they've probably done it. Um, they've changed out all of their creams. So they're not even necessarily buying creams at, you know, Rite Aid and Target and, you know, their conventional drugstore. They're buying expensive stuff online. Even sometimes it's made in other countries. So it's not even made in the U.S. And paying to ship it in because they're so desperate. And what happens is you have to look at a constellation of issues. So number one, you want to know, are you able to digest and absorb the food that you are eating because your skin <laughs> is a very big sponge and it requires an awful lot of nutrients to build or produce a tight um, brick wall, so to speak, because it's essentially what it is. It's layers of like the, the cells. I almost like, um, I think of them as like bricks. So they're, they should be bricks that are tight together, but they're, but that doesn't necessarily present itself for people that have chronic skin rash issues. They have what is called leaky skin where the skin barrier has essentially is just not operating the way that it should. So it becomes difficult to keep moisture in. It becomes a challenge to, um, you know, not react to thing, to allergens and all sorts of stuff. You become sensitive to a lot of different things in the environment. Um, there may be histamine issues involved, um, itching, dryness, etc. But then also too, do we have gut infections? Is there a gut, a state of gut dysbiosis where the gut bacteria or flora is not in the correct balanced state because there is a direct tie between what happens in your gut and your skin? Um, and then additionally, how's your thyroid doing? Do you have other inflammatory markers that may be driving this? You know, what's going on, as I mentioned, with histamines? Do you have, is this partially a histamine reaction? Um, because that's important. Um, we look at liver detox challenges because your liver processes all the toxins that it is faced with, whether it comes from the gut or its internal um, biochemicals that are produced, like hormones, for example, are detoxified through your liver. And what's going on with your hormones? So there's a whole cluster of different things going on. Um, and I typically find that there is about 15 different root causes. And most people have somewhere between three to five of those root causes. So, so everyone typically has a cluster. And you need to identify what your cluster is in order to find the best way forward. Are there any specific root causes that you see is pretty universal across everyone? Like, does most people have digestive issues of some sort? Or do most people have issues detoxing properly through the liver? Believe it or not, the most common issue is gut issues. Now, I want to be very clear here. You can have gut issues and not have any gut symptoms. In fact, I have a couple of clients now who had no gut symptoms at all. And when we ran some functional labs, that's where it popped up, that there were significant problems in the gut that they were unaware of. And as we have slowly started working on their gut, they've seen an improvement in the quality of their skin, a reduction in redness, um, uh, the 
I have one client, I have one client now, she, her skin was actually so tight and dry that it was a challenge for her to smile or laugh and sometimes even talk. Cause think about it. If the, the skin around your mouth is not flexible and pliable and soft, we take for granted that those movements your mouth makes. And so every time she would talk or laugh or cough, she would get these cracks because the skin around her mouth would break. And so as we've been working on things, um, one really great thing is that that's not happening anymore, which makes me really happy because at least she's starting to become more comfortable. The skin is softening. It is not so delicate that it's just breaking apart. Wow, that's actually really impressive that you can look at the skin like that where the skin is tightening and be able to relate it back to different systems in the body. So do you find that a lot of issues come back directly to the digestive system because you need to be able to get those nutrients into your body appropriately to then be able to uh, get the rest of the systems of the body to function uh, the right way? Yeah, absolutely. So the skin requires things like a, so, okay. If you're listening to this or you, or, and you have a skin rash issue and I'm, or, you know, somebody that does like a child, a cousin, a parent, a friend, I think pretty much all of us know somebody who's got a skin rash issue. And when I say that, I mean, eczema, psoriasis, rosacea, um, even I would say chronic hives is also technically, I, I get a lot of people that come to me with chronic hives as an, as a complaint. While I wouldn't necessarily in my mind, think of that as a rash, they're certainly rash like, um, uh, there's also, um, uh, tinea versicolor, for example, is a lesser known one. Um, we've got, uh, keratosis polaris, which is like that chicken skin. So there's all different forms of rashes that occur. Um, and so all of these, while there is a lot of overlap, some have very specific uh, solutions or um, details about them that di- may, that really help differentiate them between other things. Like psoriasis, for example, is more of an autoimmune disease, whereas eczema is this interesting straddle between um, your IgE immune system. So more of like an allergic um, over hyperreactivity to somewhat of an autoimmune type situation with inflammation thrown in there. Eczema is more complicated. Um, Whereas things like rosacea, um, you know, there's a really interesting study of how rosacea is connected in many cases to people that actually have SIBO underlying SIBO <laughs> and wow. their, their, their rosacea improves after dealing with a SIBO. Um, so that's small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Um, so yes, there, there are very, it, that's, that's the one thing I want you to get across is that yes, you do need to be able to absorb your nutrients. You need to absorb protein, especially because we do not have stores in the body for protein. I know that you might listen to a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot, plenty of uh, docu-series out there and, and there are health practitioners that are like, you 
don't need that protein. It's really bad for you. And I've had clients come in that are eating such little protein, even just plant-based protein, and they don't realize that they don't have enough protein coming in to be able to re even rebuild healthy skin. So you're at a deficit already. Um, your skin also needs zinc for sure. Zinc is really important for skin healing. You need vitamin A. That's one of the main drivers of keratosis pilaris. It's actually a sign of vitamin A insufficiency. You certainly need vitamin D. I mean, there are some really critical nutrients here, but there's also nutrients that are important for other systems. And if those systems, like your thyroid is not is suboptimal, so you've got Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism, it's pretty common to have skin rashes with those issues or extremely dry skin because if you're thyroid, if you're not feeding your thyroid appropriately, your skin's going to take the hit. And so you're thinking, well, it's my skin. It's actually not, not your skin, it's your thyroid. So that's why I say it's so important to understand that while, yes, the fixation is on the skin because that's what we see. That's what our experience is. You have to start connecting the dots and understand that this is a matrix situation. I wish I wish I could simplify it. I wish it could be one thing, but it's just not. And the people listening to this podcast, they at this point know that there's a lot of different factors that go into the healing process and there is no um, direct route. Everybody has a different way that they have to take in order to get to um, their own version of healthy. So, um, Exactly. You, you mentioned protein and a lot of people don't get enough protein. Is there a specific grams amount that you're looking for based off of body weight or anything like that? Typically with my clients, um, I'll, and so I, I'll specify this in case anybody's listening and they're like, oh, my daughter, my little, you know, three-year-old daughter has, has eczema or something. Um, so I typically work with women that are in their forties and fifties and early sixties. So that's where this recommendation is coming from. I just want to be very clear about that. Um, for children, it would be different. I don't work with children. So, you know, I can certainly refer people to other practitioners that do that, but that's not my specialty. So with adults who are dealing with this, um, I like to see their protein intake closer to like 80 grams of protein a day. And practically speaking, if you want to think about well, what is, because who the heck knows what a gram looks like, you know, it doesn't mean anything to anyone. So I like to think of it as like, hey, if you eat a burger, that's generally like 23 to 25 grams, you know, um, doing a protein shake once a day, which I'm a big fan of, especially for people that are having a hard time getting in enough protein, is a great way to get 20 to 30 or 35 grams of protein in a day just from that one. Either it's a meal replacement or it's an addition to whatever it is that you're eating. So I really believe that you've got to shoot for getting somewhere around like 20 to 25, maybe even 30 grams of protein per meal if you're eating three meals a day. Um, and that's a really important thing. As far as vitamin A is concerned, vitamin A is also a really hard nutrient to get into your diet. Um, a lot of people don't eat liver, <laughs> which is a great source of it. I don't eat liver. I just, ugh, no, no, I'm not a liver fan. I mean, if you eat a great, I'm happy for you. But me personally, um, I just can't do it. So for me, it's like I typically will end up with most clients having to supplement that. And you you want to be very cautious about how much vitamin A you supplement because you can end up with toxicity. Um, and so, you know, 
that's something you would likely have to supplement. Vitamin D should always be checked. If vitamin D is low, there's some pretty easy supplements that you can use to get back up to your, I like to sit, look for somewhere between 50 to 70 um, as your vitamin D level, which you can get checked through your traditional lab work. So, And um, a lot of people that are recovering from chronic or chronic skin issues have some kind of food sensitivities. So do you have any recommendations on hypoallergenic protein powder since you like to use protein powder? Yeah, I, so I personally, if the person likes, is okay with eating meat, I prefer the hydrolyzed beef protein powders. The reason is that they're hydrolyzed. So it doesn't depend on any amount of digestive capacity in order to break down the protein. And a lot of people, believe it or not, with chronic skin issues, and I also, so my, my, my clinical practice spans both chronic gut and chronic skin issues. Um, it's pretty common that people don't have enough stomach acid. So they're not even breaking down the protein that they're eating, the little of it they're initially eating before we start working together. So um, that's why I like the hydrolyzed beef. If that's not okay, um, there are some other formulas, like some vegan formulas out on the market um, that you could try that, I mean, I use practitioner grade because I don't generally find that, I mean, the stuff that's sold in the store that's really available, a lot of it is not meant for people that have really serious health issues. It's meant for people that are healthy. So, um, you know, keep that in mind. And now if cost is an issue, I totally get that. We try to, you know, I try to find other ways around that, but that's my favorite. And I also love to add in collagen peptides as well. Um, anywhere from six to you know, about 12 grams of that a day. And if you are vegan, I don't know what to tell you because there is no vegan option, but there is for people that don't eat meat, there is the um, marine um, or fish option for collagen peptides. Awesome. And since there's so many different uh, root causes for skin issues, what type of lab tests do you run? Because you mentioned running different functional lab tests. So is that based off of the symptomology that people are presenting or the type of skin rash that they have? Or is there a set of labs that you run for pretty much all of your clients? Everything that I do is a little bit different and customized for the client because sometimes their issue and the symptoms that present, I'm like, mm, that's pure like GI stuff. Let's go with a stool test, like the Genova, um, the GI effects from Genova. Whereas other times it's a system-wide issue. And um, I can tell just from the amount of symptoms and the type of symptoms they have that there tends to be a lot of nutrient deficiencies. And it sounds like there's liver detox challenges and such. And for that, I love the Genova's Organics Comprehensive Panel, which is a urine test that looks at organic acids. Um, that said, there are also conventional labs that are I require, I, I don't know why people th have it in their head that only functional labs are good. That's not true. They are both valuable and they both look at your health pic picture differently. And so for um, traditional labs, I, I love to take a look at a CBC panel, a comprehensive metabolic panel that's fasted. Um, I love to look at inflammatory markers. So um, C-reactive protein and a sed rate. 
Um, I also love to take a look at the serum vitamin A, serum vitamin D, and I'm trying to think what else. Sometimes a full iron panel, um, if I suspect thyroid involvement or there's a lot of fatigue involved. Um, a, a lipid panel is always fine because if, if you're seeing real dysfunction with a lipid panel where the cholesterol is super high and whatnot, um, that can also just be an indicator from a clinical nutrition standpoint that the liver is struggling. You're also seeing maybe too much of like processed carbs in the diet. Um, so, but either way, I think that's always a good, good, good marker, good markers to have. And it just, it depends on some of the others. Um, like I said, sometimes I'll do B12, uh, folate, um, homocysteine. And I also love to take a look at red blood cell zinc red blood cell magnesium. Now, those are not serum values. They are red blood cell or erythrocyte values, which you can you may have to fight with your doctor and they may not run them. Um, but they are the more valuable and more, mm, they tell you more about your body, what your body and what the cells themselves actually have to utilize within the cell. So what, how much zinc does the red blood cell actually have? How much magnesium does the the red blood cell actually have, as opposed to what's floating around in the bloodstream that um, isn't really as helpful. Awesome. Well, we've had quite a few guests coming on to talk about the gut microbiome and the importance in the microbiome in supporting the rest of the body. But we also know that there's a microbiome on the skin. So is the skin microbiome and the gut microbiome, are they talking or how do they relate to each other? They do talk to one another, which is really cool. <laughs> uh, it is. I mean, when you think about it, you have these like two very different communities and they're very different. So the, the microbiome in your gut is predominantly breaking down carbs. That is mostly what they feed on. They should not be feeding on protein. Okay. So it's important to remember we're t as, as a, if you're on a we'll just say a pretty normal diet. So you're not doing keto. You're not doing like a super low carb. Typically your, your gut bugs are feeding on fermentable um, starches and fibers and things like that. Um, they don't really eat lipids and that kind of stuff. Whereas your skin microbiome is actually a lipidome, which means that it thrives off of fat it does not eat carbs. And which is why it's also confusing that so much skincare out there is meant to remove oil. And we have this obsession with removing oils from our skin. You're removing the food for your skin bugs, which you want. You want healthy skin bugs. And there's actually three different regions of, um, there's actually multiple different regions, but the general way they break down is there are like this more sweaty areas, the moist areas, right? So like your armpit, your groin, that kind of thing. And then you have dry, flat, smooth areas. And then you have areas that are like more oily, like your face. And so um, the, the type of, uh, or the makeup of the community of skin flora depend, it'll differ depending on where it resides. So you should never, this is just a lesson for everyone, you shouldn't be using body care products that are specific to your body on your face because the microbiome is different. So the, it is important to use facial products for your face, number one. Number two, yes, the gut bugs do communicate with your skin. And one of the main ways they do that, um, I don't know how much your community knows, but basically when 
the digestive tract, those, those bacteria break down fermentable carbohydrates. They produce what are called short-chain fatty acids. And those short-chain fatty acids, specifically the one called butyrate, actually pass through the gut wall. And that is what directly communicates with the bugs out on the skin. And so when you have healthy amounts of butyrate production, you will find that the flora on the skin is healthy. But when you see, that's why I'm saying you have to look in the gut. When that uh, those levels of short-chain fatty acids, for example, are reduced because you took lots of antibiotics, you've had years of candida overgrowth, and, and you know, any other number of things, or you did like a low FODMAP diet for a long, long time, um, you did low carb and took out all carbs, you did like an Atkins diet or any number of things, or you were just under a ton of stress. I mean, I can't even, there's so many ways in which we can disrupt our microbiome at this point. But if those gut bugs aren't there in enough of a force to produce and they're not getting enough food, enough of their own food in order to produce these short chain fatty acids, thus not having that communication signal that gets sent out to the skin, you are going to see problems. So it is really fascinating. And plus, you also have the inflammatory factors. So if you've got, for example, candida, candida itself is toxic, but as is its waste products. And so those waste products are then having to be processed by your liver and all of that inflammation it essentially precipitates or drives the inflammation that you're seeing on your skin. So that's why, for example, there's this pretty significant, I, I cannot, unfortunately, um, off the top of my head, remember the percentage, but it was quite significant of people with rosacea, for example, who actually have SIBO. And so they've got bacteria in the small intestine where it should not live. And what's happening is the inflammatory process and whatnot is driving that inflammation that shows up in the face. And even ocular rosacea is a sign of rosacea. And that's that affects your eyes. Yeah. So now I'm super curious because I don't know a whole lot about like the oils on the skin. So is the oil on the skin, is that the fatty acids coming out of our body to be able to feed the skin microbiome and also create a protective layer on the skin? Um, I mean, your skin, your skin makes its own like sebum and other oils. Um, it should do that naturally. Um, but I mean, you have to be feeding your body you know, you have to be healthy and feeding your body healthy fats and all sorts of things in order for it to have the substrates in order to make those substances. Um, the, the thing is, it's not just about oils that are being produced. Like when I had my eczema on my hands, so in the summertime, my eczema was fire engine red, oozing, burning, um, I get would get these little blisters or pustules. They looked clear at first and then they would burst. I mean, it was so painful and itchy. It drove me insane. I would even wake up in the middle of the night, like scratching my skin. I didn't even know I was doing it because it was so itchy. And then we would transition to the fall because I live in the Philadelphia area. So we have four seasons and my skin would completely dry out. It would be okay for a few weeks. And then all of a sudden, as soon as the air completely dried, my skin would become like tissue paper. And every time I would bend my fingers, I would get all of these like essentially paper cuts. It was so painful. 
And so some people are experiencing both. Some people are just experiencing one of these things. And for the folks that are experiencing extremely dry skin, where the skin is so easily breakable and there's no moisture and there's not that supple quality that one would expect or want to see in their skin, the problem is that the the barrier that the skin creates, the skin barrier has been is broken down and it's no longer able to hold moisture in. So that is slightly different. It doesn't have to do necessarily with the fat that's produced or the oils that are produced, but this has to do with a deeper issue. One that has to do with a protein called filaggrin that is produced. Everyone produces this, but some people are predisposed. They may have a genetic SNP where they actually produce a type of filaggrin that's not, it's sort of not quite the best quality. So you know, that may be something that you have a lot of people, unfortunately, with eczema or rashes on their hands are seem to be more predisposed to having that genetic SNP. Whereas technically, it doesn't even matter if you have the gene or not. I, I had an interesting conversation with Dr. Peter Leo, who's a really brilliant leading dermatologist who's like more, more in the integrative route, but he's just doing some fascinating research. And what he was basically sharing with me is that when you have an inflammatory process going on, whether it's from food that you're sensitive to or environmental exposures like dog and cat dander or whatever that, you know, whatever is bothering you, and then you go and itch your skin, what happens is it doesn't matter whether you have that genetic snip or not, it that inflammation itself is disrupting the way that your body will pollute, produce filaggrin. And filaggrin is what keeps that barrier, that brick, those stacked bricks nice and tight. But when filaggrin isn't produced correctly, that's when you see this breakdown and we end up having what we call leaky skin. So yes, you can have leaky gut and yes, you can have leaky skin. Um, and they have a lot to do with making sure that the barriers are tight and are able to hold in the nutrients and um, regenerate appropriately. I remember years and years ago before I got into the health field, once winter would come around, I would get those paper cut um, cracks on the back of my hands just because of how dry my skin would get. And I would get it like on my feet and stuff as well. So super interesting that now you're making mm -hmm. all these connections for me. Uh, but since you were talking about getting blisters on your hands and um, a lot of these visually unappealing uh, issues that might arise with skin rashes. Can you talk about some of the negative emotions and shame that people have when they have these skin issues and what people can do to uh, bring more positivity back into their emotions? Well, I think one of the most poignant things as you're saying this that is coming to mind is that when I had, so my right hand, which is my dominant hand and the hand that you, sh you know, you shake somebody's hand with was the worst of the hands that was affected. And I will never forget when people, you know, when you go to shake somebody's hand, you're kind of, you kind of look at their hand, you know, you're in that direction. And, and I would put my hand out and the person would think, <laughs> They would pause. Like they saw my hand and how messed up it was. And what they're wondering is, am I infected with something? Do Am I dirty? <laughs> because I don't know how to wash myself appropriately. You know, like those are the two main things that people think. Um, and 
some people would like almost be like, go to shake my hand and then be like, oh, and then put their hand in their pocket, like almost like they thought about it and they were like, nope. <laughs> hmm. And it, it's, um, it's really a sad experience to have that people don't want to touch you. They think that you're a filthy, disgusting person or you're going to infect them with something. And it's hard because especially when you're in the public eye, like I used to teach cooking classes and, um, you know, do all these things on camera. And I had to wear these blue gloves. Um, they're like these like really thin, almost like um, plastic type gloves that I would buy at Home Depot in order to protect my hands because I, I couldn't touch anything. They couldn't get dirty. I couldn't wash my hands with soap, let alone even water because water burned. So I was stuck in this catch 22 where I, you know, look, if you have rashes on your arms and your legs, you can certainly cover those up. But when it's in a very visible area, and I'm not, I'm not putting down people that have them in those areas that you can hide. But when it's a very visible spot, like your face, um, or your hands, it's very difficult to hide that. And it makes you feel like you don't want to be involved. You don't want to go do things. I had to stop going to the gym. I had to stop doing, like, I couldn't take any more cooking classes. I couldn't, I actually stopped teaching cooking classes as a result of that um, because people were uncomfortable with the way my hands look and the fact that I was the one cooking the food. And granted, I wore gloves, but they were still uncomfortable with the fact of the way my hands looked. Um, you know, I just, it, I, I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to see people. I, it was just embarrassing. Um, and it makes you feel so, so alone. And I think one of the best ways, you know, if you're dealing with this, and I, I'm in a lot of Facebook groups still um, for all these like different rash conditions. And it's so sad, like about at least once a week, someone on there writes that basically they want to commit suicide. And while I never thought to do that and was never at that point, I can understand how someone can get there. Um, I've had clients that have come to me and said, I'm going to lose my job because my face is so bad that I can't put makeup on. And my boss and all my clients are think that I have some disease and are very uncomfortable with me. So, I mean, it, this is, and this is something that affects your relationships. And, you know, do you think that somebody wants to take you out on dates and ask you out if your face is a complete and total wreck or you've got these gross rashes everywhere? I mean, it, it, it is a disease, a state that perpetuates this self-loathing and shame that you just want to hide. And so the one thing that I would encourage anybody listening to know is this doesn't have to be forever. I know that this really sucks and every day feels like, it feels like hell. I'll, I'll be entirely honest. If you've never had skin rashes, you don't really understand how bad um, it is nor how badly it affects your life and your self-confidence and self self-worth. But there are people in your life that loves you that love you for you. And you need to also learn to know yourself outside of those skin rashes because if they do go away, you no longer have this identity anymore as this person that is ashamed of who they are. You have you really have to to make a point to have some things about yourself that you celebrate and that you love and that are like those shining stars that you reach for to stay positive. And surrounding yourself with a community um, and always being willing to give something a try. You know, that's one of the biggest things that I learned. It took, and I'm very open about this because I think that people misstate how long it takes to get better. And in my mind, from my experience, it took me a year, a year from when I started working on my own personal protocol to when finally the skin rashes were gone. 
And I think people want to believe that they could have a skin rash gone in two weeks or a month or two months. My flares took six months to stop. So you have to be in this for the long haul. You have to be in it and know that you just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. You have to keep digging. You have to find somebody to work with, to be honest with you, to work with, because you are not skilled in this. I call a plumber when I have a plumbing problem. I don't take care of that myself. And you just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other, knowing that you have somebody by your side that's helping fill in the gaps of the things that you don't know and that you don't understand and that can answer questions and help coach you and guide you through the process. Um, Because you don't have to be alone. You are not alone on this journey. There are a lot of people that are experiencing this and it is something that I think people oftentimes don't realize how common and frequent these types of problems are, but they are, um, but they don't have to be forever. Thank you for sharing that with my audience. And thank you for just talking about your own story uh, behind it, because those emotions, they are powerful and it it is difficult to go through things like that. Um, But like you said, it's a journey to get back to your health, but it's definitely worth it in the end. So what are three things that people can do right now to start rebuilding their skin health? First, absolutely start eating more protein, right? 70 to 80, shoot for 70 to 80 grams a day right there. And if you're not sure how much protein is in a food, go to something, there's like different nutrition websites that you can just punch in an amount of, you know, chickpeas or ground beef or chicken, uh, chicken breast or whatever, and start to learn the practical knowledge so you can start to guesstimate how much you're taking in. Um, and then don't be afraid to opt for some protein powders to help with that, to get that bumped up. I would say the second thing to do is to stop using um, any sort of foaming cleansers on your skin. Those are really harsh. They also do remove the, the natural oils of the skin and they dry your skin out further. So my recommendation would be to use more natural oils like jojoba, sesame, even olive oil, <laughs> believe it or not. I'm not a big fan of coconut oil just because it's so antimicrobial that sometimes that can have, um, it can be a little too much. Um, and then the third thing I would say is goodness, goodness, the third thing There's so much to do. I would say if you haven't been to the doctors, go to the doctors, your dermatologist is likely not going to run any labs, but I would go to like your primary care doctor or family doctor or some doctor that listens to you and ask for those, at least the conventional labs to be run. Um, and start pulling out your labs from, you know, even up to five or six years ago. That way, if you do end up working with somebody, you have this trove of information, you have a baseline, you have some understanding of where, where you're at with things. Um, and I would also say, um, as a sort of bonus, um, you know, you've got to protect the skin. And that's a big thing um, is protecting the skin. So that may mean at times like wearing gloves or keeping the skin covered or what have you. Um, because, you know, there, I can't even tell you how many parents I work with that they want to they want to take their, um, you know, washing their kids at night in the bath. And I'm like, you got to wear gloves. When you're washing the dishes. You got to wear gloves. You should do whatever you can in whatever circumstance you can to protect your skin. And that may mean not showering as frequently. Maybe you bump showers down to something like three, you know, three times a week or two times a week. I know that for some people they might freak out, but 
the less you can remove oils from your skin, the better. And if you do need to soap up, just soap up like your armpits and the groin area. If you haven't been like super duper sweaty, there's no need to be soaping up the rest of your, your skin because it just, it's becomes too much, especially when you have these issues. Awesome. And my final question here is if you have a morning routine that helps you to keep your, keep you healthy and also to keep your skin healthy, what is it? Oh, um, I would say that I do my morning shake. My, that protein is so important. Um, I do that with the collagen powder and I use water. So that's my liquid. And I usually use about a quarter and a cup of some sort of like berries. Sometimes I'll throw in another half cup of like frozen zucchini triangles (laughs) to just get in some more veggies. Um, and you know, I make sure that I put in a multivitamin that is that's just got a good, a bunch of nutrients and I do a probiotic and there, you know, there's a couple other things that I do that are specific to me. And I found that when I do that, my skin at this point in maintenance mode will stay that way. It will stay nice and healthy. When I go off of that and I diverge from that, where I'm not getting those nutrients in, that's where I start to have problems. So for me, that's my morning routine that really has helped. Awesome, Jen. Well, people can find you at skinterrupt.com and you also have your seven eczema soothing smoothies um, free guide at healthyskinsmoothies.com slash free guide. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what you are doing over at Skinterrupt? Absolutely. So Skinterrupt is an online website to help give people number one alternative options to what their skin specific skin issue is. And then also from there, there's also the advocacy piece. Like I want dermatology to wake up. It is 2019. There is no reason why we should still be assuming that an eczema, that eczema and psoriasis and all these things just need a steroid cream. Nobody has a steroid deficiency. So I want people to realize that there are other things that they can do, and hopefully we will change the way that dermatology is approaching these things and start to integrate in some of these more comprehensive tools and outlooks to help actually help people get better. And then there's also the Natural Skin Show, which is um, a brand new podcast that I'm launching that I'm interviewing researchers, clinicians, people in the alternative health world that are doing all sorts of really cool things and and literally to be on the forefront of research to make sure that it gets to you now, not two, three, four, five years down the road once it finally makes its way to textbooks and being taught in med school. So I want to give you access to all of these amazing people doing incredible work. Awesome, Jen. Thank you so much for coming on. If people want to learn more about how they can take care of their skin issues and look for Jennifer Fugo at skinterrupt.com. Thanks so much for coming on and sharing all this information with my audience. I know there's people out there that will benefit from this info, info. So thank you. Thank you. Well, there you have it, folks. I hope that you were able to get a lot of information out of this episode with Jennifer Fugo. If you do have chronic skin conditions and you want to learn more about ways to help yourself, then I highly recommend going over to skinterrupt.com or you can head on over to Jennifer Fugo's newest podcast called The Healthy Skin Show as she dives deeper into different health conditions and what you can do about it. So head on over to both of those resources and dive right in to see what you can do to help your own skin conditions. Okay, if you enjoyed this episode, then please head on over to iTunes or whatever podcast uh, platform that you listen 
to the show on and leave us a rating and review. Those ratings and reviews do help to get us in front of more people, so they are very important to us. So if you could take a couple seconds just to do that, that would be extremely grateful. Next week, we have kind of a spicy little um, episode coming up because we are going to be talking a lot about sexual health. So um, we brought on some sexologists to talk a lot about this topic. So if you are curious to learn how to read your partner's sexual blueprint and to be able to just spice up your own sex life, then that is definitely the episode that you want to listen in on. And I also highly recommend not having your kids listen with you for that episode. So we'll also have a disclaimer at the beginning of that episode if you do forget, uh, just so that you know what it is that you are walking into. Keep climbing to the peak of your health, and we will see you next week.